Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right, everybody. Welcome to Revolution. Um... Start out with sad news this week, uh, the passing of Rachel Held Evans. It's really sad to, um, she was a friend and someone I really admired. And she was an outspoken advocate uh, when she was the evangelical darling. She came out and spoke out for LGBTQ people and it cost her a lot. And I've always had a lot of respect for her for that. Um she has two very little children and a husband, and uh, my prayers and thoughts are with them. Uh, she will be greatly missed. Um, I just got back from spending a week in Belfast, Ireland for the Wake Conference, which was put on by Pete Rollins, and um, <clears throat> it was awesome. Um saw so many different types of speakers from all different backgrounds, different subjects and theology, philosophy, psychoanalysis, psychoanalysts, psychoanalysis. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, talk on, on the dangers of capitalism. Um, there was a lot of really great stuff there. And so today's talk is a little bit borrowed from Barry Taylor, um, you might know him from online as UK bloke, uh, English theologian that's also um, lives in London now, but toured with ACDC in the 70s and 80s and, you know, total punk rocker. If you're interested in seeing Barry, you can go on my Instagram feed and there's a couple pictures with Barry. And, uh, man, I just had a blast. Um, it was uh, exactly what I needed going through this really hellish year. And it was really got away and was able to heal a little bit. And I've come back feeling better. And uh, Pete Rollins gave one of the best sermons or talks, I guess he would call it, <laughs> um, I've ever heard. Um and we'll probably talk a little bit about that next week, actually. Um, but this one, uh, I'm, I'm kind of stealing from Barry, but I've added to it. Um, I told him I was because I had to come home so soon, and I didn't have any time to prepare. So I didn't have much time to prepare. So, um, I'm going to be in John... I think John is my least favorite gospel, um, but we're going to be in John. Um, John 8, 1. 
While Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, he became uh, he came again in the temple. All the people came to him and sat down, and he began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. We'll talk about that one day, buddy. Now in the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They said this to test him, so to bring the might so they might have some charges to bring against him. Jesus bent down, wrote with his fingers in the ground, and there's a whole bunch of theology behind that that we could talk about, but we're not going to. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone amongst you without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote in the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said, to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go on your way, and from now on, do not sin again. Um, there's a lot to this story. Um, but I'm going to read another story. And then we'll talk a little bit more about it. I'm going to go over to John 4. And try to get through this one fast, but there's a lot of a lot to get through. Um, and maybe I'll boil it down for you. But um, John 4, 1 through 39. Can we do it? Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making baptized more disciples than John, although it was not... Now you know what? Through, here, I'm going to jump down to five. So he came to Samaria city called Sychar, near the plot of ground of Jacob had given, given them to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tried out tired out by the journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone on to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me to drink? A woman, Samaritan. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift God of God and whom that I am saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked me and he would have given you living water. The woman said, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is very deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our ancestors Jacob who gave us this well and with his son and his flock drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of this water, I will give them, will never be thirsty. 
The water that I will give them became a spring, a water gushing and eternal, giving this water so that they may never be thirsty again. Okay, so let's skip all that. Jesus said to her, go call your husband. This is important. Listen here. And come back. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying that. I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And more than likely, this woman was unbarred. Uh, was uh, was probably not be able to have children, and, and usually that's what would happen to women who could not reproduce. They would be passed on. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain, but you say that the places where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Now he's having a, there's a theological talk going on here with this woman. Jesus said to her, Believe me, the hour is coming when it will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship where you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worship will worship the Father and the Spirit and the truth, for the Father seeks such as there is to worship Him. God's Spirit and throne on worship must be worshipped in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am He, the one who is speaking to you. Now Jesus didn't always go around saying, I'm the Messiah. Sometimes he told people to keep it a secret. But here he is having a theological conversation in noontime with this woman at the well. Now, usually going to the well would be a group participation thing where everyone would go together. But because of this woman's probably reputation, she was going by herself to get water. And Jesus is having this great conversation about doesn't, it's not going to matter where you worship. It's not going to matter who you're going to be. You know, he's revealing all these truths. And it's, it's really interesting. Um, let's see. And then I'll just jump down here. Just then, his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. <laughs> but no one said, what do you want, or why Are you speaking with her? Then the woman left with her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everyone I have ever done, everything I've ever done. He came not, he can, I'm having a hard time reading. I need my reading glasses. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. So she basically goes back tells their city, I've just met someone who's told me everything about me. I can't believe it. She's just had a deep theological conversation with Jesus. And, uh, and now she's proclaiming the good news to her other folks. Now I'm going to jump over to Luke. All this has a point but we have to take a journey to get there. Luke 7, 
Luke seven thirty six, I think. Wait, where are you, Luke seven? There you are. <clears throat> One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping and begging to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw Saw it. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two, a certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50, when they could not... I'm going to start using my reading glasses. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt for both of them. Now which one will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the greatest debt. And Jesus said to him, For you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your home, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she bathed me with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kisses, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint me, my head, with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown greater love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who ever forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, all these stories have in common is women who were somehow seen as... Okay. Caleb will take you. Um, all these women were seen as, as, as not belonging. Some would even go as strong as, as use the word whore. Or sex workers, or whatever you know, they were seen as unclean. Each of these stories has shame about women being treated less than. What happens is, is Jesus comes along, and Jesus affirms their humanity. Now, he's in a society that already treats women with less respect and as second-class citizens. But Jesus is there saying, 
I am here to affirm that you are human. Not what they are or what other people call them. You know, And but Jesus affirms their humanity. Now, what is the point of this? Is becoming human is the point of conversion. Stripping down these titles, stripping down all this stuff, Jesus sees their humanity, and the point of conversion is humanity. And we talk about so much in the church about conversion of, oh, you become converted and saved and it becomes a list of do's and don'ts and sign this paper and then if you want to join a church, believe this faith and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's funny that conversion and repentance mean the same thing. It's just a turn or a change. But what Jesus was doing here is he's saying, I see your humanity. You know, not, not, the, not you being a sinner or a sex worker or any of that. I see you as a human. The judgmental men are blinded. The ones who want to stone the woman caught in the midst of adultery. The men, even his own disciples judging him for being at the well. The Pharisee at the dinner, you know. They, the judgmental men are all blinded by assumptions of what labels people put on other people, what labels they read, by what their reputation is preceded by. And they label these women with judgment. And Jesus sees humans. I mean, it's almost a precursor to Paul saying there's neither male nor female, nor Jew nor Gentile, nor, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And... What happens is when you feel loved and when you feel seen, and we talked about this two weeks ago when I talked about Matthew when he was in a mix of his tax collecting booth. When you see, feel seen and you feel human, part of being a human is brokenness, suffering, heartache, but also love and joy. But when you're allowed to be, as Paul Tillich would say, accept that you are accepted, Conversion turns your world upside down. How quickly the woman at the well went back and said, come see someone who told me everything about me. You know, it was the conversion happened because he saw their humanity. Jesus, Jesus, what he does is he comes in and he disrupts the status quo. You know, there's these levels, there's this, this, there's this, this, you know. And Jesus comes in and he just turns it on its head. And when he sees people and he converts them to people, not labels, as unclean or tax collector or prostitute, you know, Jesus just sees humanity in the people. 
Of course, we're all sinners. I mean, he's like, sins are many, sins are less, whatever. But he's also saying, you know, look at you, you to the Pharisee, you've done nothing. You have no appreciation because you don't embrace your humanity. You haven't realized that you're a human being. You haven't realized who you are. You know, the Pharisees are always saying, why does he eat with people like that? And he comes, I've come to call those, I've come to call sinners, not those who think they're good enough. You know, so the idea of thinking you're high above other people, you know, and these women were all outcasts. They were all seen as the bottom of society. And Jesus said, no, these are people capable of love, conversion, change to be human. You are no longer a label. You're a human going through a human experience. And I think we want to make it so supernatural that we just forget that he was trying to bring humanity to be human to one another, to love one another, to cry with one another, to suffer with one another, to live life. So this is, you know, you got to be making, you know, this is not about converting to perfection, the law, but learning to be human, learning to be free. You have been set free from the law, so stay free indeed. And uh, I, I, I love the idea that there's just no shaming here. I love the idea that Jesus is taking what people consider second-class citizens and telling and speaking deep theology and revealing himself as a Christ to them. You know? It's a human experience that they're having with the supernatural something. I don't know what Jesus helped, you know, but this, this supernatural experience is someone saying, you are worthy. You're worth it. You mean something. You exist. That's enough. You know? Even when we see Jesus kind of being angry at, at the Gentile woman that comes to the table, and she reminds him that even dogs get crumbs from the table, Jesus is moved, and he repents, and he's converted. He's converted to the Gentile woman and says, your faith has made you whole. He has a conversion experience where he sees Humanity. So today I sit in front of you, a human being. I'm, I've been a broken wreck the past seven months, you know, and I feel some healing happening. But I can stand behind a Jesus who finds outcasts and sex workers and people like that and says, I see you. When he disrupts the status quo, he says, no, we're not going to kill him. We're all the same. Who has the right to kill anyone for something like this? We're all the same. We're all going through the same human experience. You know, not only does it turn the person who's being judged upside down, but think about all these Pharisees and these religious leaders are going like, oh, I've got no place to judge. 
it's the teach religion it's taking religion religious thinking and man's legalism and saying no we don't have a place for this pulling it away that's pretty powerful so Barry has a great story about uh, sexual experience that he had and tells a part of that I'm not going to do that especially since we have some youngins in the room but <laughs> um, I hope today that you feel encouraged and we just realize that you know, Jesus was standing with women a long time ago and helping them realize they're human beings. And I hope in us and our own brokenness and our own things, we'll realize that we're called to conversion, but not to convert to the law, but to convert to being humans and to being free and to be equal with one another. So that's what I have today. If you're listening online, and hopefully you're listening, we're trying to get out on some new um, different apps and platforms. Um, we, we've filed a bunch of stuff to be on there. We just It's taken them a while to get us to pop up. We should be on Spotify one of these days. But um, we're doing that. Um, if you like our work and what we're doing and you want to support Revolution, uh, we can't do this church without donations. Um, so you can go to revolutionchurch.com and donate there on our Tumblr page. and um, Or you can go to our Facebook page and there's a donation button there as well. Or you can donate and help us continue our work. And uh, as we go through this transformation of our own conversion as a church into embracing our humanity even more through our brokenness and our hurt. So thank you so much. This has been Revolution Church. A post-Christian production.